0: With the synod on synodality in the news yet again, it's worth looking at what one of the most influential modernists in Europe is saying the synod should and will likely be about. While many of the bishops have no idea what synodality even means, this lay theologian is excited at the possibilities of bringing the church up to date with the values of the world. If that song and dance seems familiar to you, it should. That was the stated purpose of the Second Vatican Ecumenical and Non-Binding Council, and that council, like this synod, had many bishops utterly unprepared for what was to come. We have no reason to think anything is different this time, so let's examine the changes in store for the Church. First, let's check in, though, with Paca Papa Francis, who is always a font of wisdom, especially when he's reading from a script at a public event, as it clearly means he meant to say what he said. He recently held one of his public addresses, where he's seated and reads from his notes. I can't fault him for sticking to a script, I only point it out, because he often says some odd or even targeted things towards the meany, poo-poo-headed trads when he's scripted. Now, is really no different. See if you can spot the underlying irony that's in his statement, though. Quote, When we are tempted to judge others badly, as often happens, we must first reflect on our own frailty, how easy it is to criticize others, There are people who seem to have a degree in speaking poorly of others. Every day they criticize others. But look at yourself. End quote. You know what? That's a generally true statement. Our Lord says we must take the log out of our own eye before pointing out the speck in someone else's. But there is an irony in what Francis is saying here, since he spends a lot of his public time going after traditional Catholics. I wonder if he's aware of the irony. With the start of the Synod on Synodality, it's worth noting here that Francis in his mercy, permitted the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops to have an extension to their start date deadline. That's very nice of him, since the U.S. bishops had been dragging their feet on this, and by some reports, dragging their feet on purpose. The Synod is the main event in the Church for the next couple of years, and many people have debated on what this will be. Will it be a waste of millions of lay dollars in order to foist upon the Church some predetermined goals? Or will this just be a train wreck where the Jimmy Martins and the Sister Simone Campbells of the Church take over and make the aftermath of the Second Vatican Council look like a walk in the park by comparison? Your guess is as good as mine, but some members of the clergy are rightfully concerned that this thing is going to be focused on all the wrong things. Like so many other things in the church, some are worried that the main focus will be on secular issues. Given some of the lay appointments made by the various Vatican offices lately, who can be blamed for thinking that that is what is coming? One priest writing over at Gloria.tv wrote a lengthy piece on what the bishops should be focused on. No, I'm not going to read his whole Gloria.tv post. That, That would be ludicrous here. It is pretty long. But I do have a good quote from him, and his tone is respectful, but forceful he is addressing the bishops of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. He begins by pointing out that many of the bishops don't live in the real world when it comes to what they're focused on. And he's not wrong about that, to be honest. Then he lays out a challenge to the bishops. Quote, Therefore, I would like to make a request to our bishops that they may live in reality. I am referring to the Christian reality that challenges us through very concrete questions. Bishops, the great majority of baptismal sponsors, are not practicing the faith. In addition, a large number of them live in sin, nuptially united under civil law and or in concubinage. What are you going to do about that? Bishops, the vast majority of children who make their first communion, do not return to Mass because their parents, not being practicing Catholics, no longer bring them. What are you going to do about that? Bishops, the vast majority of those who are confirmed do not continue to practice the sacraments because they were confirmed only to have some papers and be able to be godparents at baptisms or for other merely formal reasons. What are you going to do about that? Bishops, many Catholics receive communion without having confessed serious sins, such as not going to Sunday Mass, and this is evident from the cues for communion and the empty confessionals. What are you going to do about that? Bishops, the vast majority of Catholics who enter the nuptial sacrament in the church, live together before the ceremony and have the firm decision to live sterilely after entering the sacramental bond. And before, of course. In many cases, no one warns them when they receive the sacrament in an objective situation of mortal sin. What are you going to do about it? Bishops, the the great majority of the faithful have lost the sense of sin, and live as if personal sin did not exist. Nobody touches their conscience with the sound teaching of doctrine. What are you going to do about that? End quote. What are you going to do about that? Indeed, he goes into more, including Francis's push to serve the Leviathan and the effect it's having on how Catholics understand what it means to be a Catholic. I'll have that article linked in the show notes at ReturnToTradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with the .org at the end. Skip the Patreon pop-up since there's no paywall for my sources unless you want to become a patron of this show, which would be fantastic. Now, we can only hope and pray that enough of the bishops decide to take the opportunity to actually address the dreadfully lukewarm state of the Church in pretty much every country in the West at the moment. But I kind of doubt it. Why? Because of this story from the National Catholic Register, among other reasons. Headline. Influential German lay Catholic reveals radical goals, methods of synodal way. Thomas Sternberg says it is unfortunate that the synodal way has received such disruptive criticism by Catholics exposed to expanding ordination to fit the desires of the world and James Martin bindings and fundamental reform of the Church's sacramental and hierarchical nature. Yeah, that's the headline in deck. And I have to say, the the way many of the insiders in the know in the Vatican talk about this synod reinforces the prediction that I and others have made very publicly that this is basically Vatican III, the Third Vatican Council, just decentralized. That seems to be where we're headed. But let's take a brief look at the article, which is, by the way, written by Edward Penton, one of the more respected and careful journalists in the church today. According to the story, quote, The outgoing head of the most influential Catholic lay group in Germany has detailed how he believes the German synodal way is geared toward influencing radical changes in the church, and that a well-prepared process is all-important in securing such reform. In a revealing November 3rd interview with a German podcaster peppered with strident statements challenging the church's established magisterium, Thomas Sternberg, president of the Central Committee of German Catholics, the ZDK, said church reform occurs as a process, and that if one doesn't hold discussions and initiate movements, then there will be no change. Theologian Sternberg welcomed the fact the issue of Father Brenda was being discussed, and added that thanks to Pope Francis's apostolic exhortation of Morse Letitia, the joy of love, the issue of blessing James Martin contracts has now been brought to the table. At the same time, he blamed canon law for having a quote-unquote disastrous effect on the laity, not allowing them to reach the levels of influence envisioned by the Second Vatican Council. End quote. Look, folks, some of you don't understand why traditional Catholics like myself take such umbrage with Vatican II. This guy here is a lay theologian and is apparently not considered a radical one either. He's considered fairly mainstream in Germany, whatever that means these days. And he's saying it. Maybe we should take them at their word when they tell us what they want to do to the church, the name of the church, of course. And here's the thing, I expect most of that to happen as a consequence of the Synod. Not the Father Brenda stuff so much, because even Francis has pretty much been opposed to that, but maybe on the creation of Deaconettes, given what that conference I spoke about last week is supposed to be all about. Remember, this thing will almost certainly be predetermined in its outcome. They already know what they want to do in 2023 when this thing wraps up, so start watching the stories out of Rome and reading between the lines. You'll know before it's over how it will play out at the most basic level. To give you an idea of where this Vatican insider is coming from, listen to his thoughts on Amoris Laetitia, which was probably the single largest wake-up call for most Catholics before the pack debacle. Quote, Interviewed on a podcast called Himmelklar, Sternberg looked back on six years at the helm of the ZDK and began by saying that he is very happy that we have a Pope whose writings I find wonderful for the most part. I could not have imagined 20 years ago that I would have given my children a text from the Pope on the subject of the nuptial sacrament and family in preparation for their own sacraments. But as more as Laetitia, can really be recommended to everyone to read. It is a wonderful document. It is always worthwhile to read writings of this Pope, I find. Asked if that meant the Vatican has changed into Francis, he replied, I think this Rome is simply a very different entity. At the moment, I have the impression that there is some great uncertainty in Rome. On the one hand, the Pope repeatedly does and says things that do not fit to certain image of papal government, and so there are also uncertainties in the Curia. On the other hand, there also seems to be a certain concern that something could happen in Germany that is not correctly perceived, that is uncontrollable, and that is not properly understood. But again, not everyone is concerned about this. End quote. What he is describing this differentiated church what he's describing is the ape of the church, though to be honest, the ape has existed to some degree for a few decades now. It's only really taking shape in the obvious way now under Francis, and the theologian here is endorsing that, which is fine. That's his prerogative. Just understand this. We have been told by numerous saints and pontiffs that a pope tries to change what the church teaches we are not to follow him. Pius IX said in one of his personal letters the following, quote, If a future pope teaches anything contrary to the Catholic faith, do not follow him. End quote. Over the years, the modernists have tried to debunk that quote, but when they try it, it never really works out for them. And it's true. Why? Because of what Pius IX said here quote, Nothing can ever pass away from the words of Christ, nor can anything be changed in the doctrine, while the Catholic Church received from Christ to guard, protect, and preach. End quote. I'm also reminded of when someone asked St. Pius X to add saints to the litany of saints in the Mass, and his response was basically to say, Who am I to change the Mass? I'm only the Pope. That's the kind of leadership the Church needs in our time. And it certainly does not need a synod on synods on synodality and the synodal way or whatever trite name they've given this thing. The deposit of the faith cannot be changed. The dogmas and doctrines cannot be changed. And woe to them involved in changing even an iota of the truth. I'll close this out with one last quote from the late great Michael Davies, who reminds us that part of being Catholic, part of being a part of the Church and not severed from the Church through heresy, is the acceptance of this deposit of the faith in its entirety. In his encyclical Satis Cognitum, Pope Leo XIII stressed not only that unity of faith is an essential prerequisite for membership of the one visible church founded by our Lord, but that the entire deposit of faith must be accepted. By the deposit of faith we mean the stock or treasure of faith entrusted to the church which she must faithfully preserve and infallibly expound. This original deposit is subject to development as the centuries progresses, but always under the guidance of the magisterium and It must always remain consistent with the previous stage of development End quote. Dogmas, disciplines, and doctrines may develop, but there must be a sound consistency with the past. all changes over time must have a certain harmony and logic to them, and must remain the same faith. Anything else is disjunction and to be rejected by the believing Catholic. And what that theologian is promoting and much of what we've seen this past few decades has been a break from the historic past of the church. There's just no getting away or around that. And this synod represents quite possibly another such break. So please keep praying for the church in this time of transition. She certainly needs your prayers, and it just may be your path to sanctity. Let me know what you think of this story in the comments, please. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.